0: Welcome to journey to the stage where we highlight the current steps of the artist, but always start our journey at the beginning, wherever you're listening, please consider following this podcast. So, you know, when new episodes drop and any kind reviews will be ever so appreciated. And I promise to name any future children, my wife and I have after you. This is episode number 16. And I'm so happy to be joined by Bonnie and Eleanor Whitmore, the Whitmore sisters. We're going to play a couple of songs from their brand new album, ghost stories and talk some music. Bonnie and Eleanor, welcome to Journey to the Stage.
1: Thanks for having us. Glad to be here.
0: I'm so glad uh, we can make this happen, and special thanks to our mutual friend Wendy Benford Jones for connecting us. So you guys are on the road right now in support of your new album, Ghost Stories. How is the tour going so far?
1: Uh, it's it's been uh, a little up and down, honestly. Um, some of the shows have been fantastic, but you know, we're still kind of in this post COVID world where um not everybody's comfortable going out yet and nothing's uh,
2: normal it's so it's not quite right. normal expecting yet. it doesn't make it. it is just not worth trying at this point
1: but uh a lot of it's gone really well uh we just had a a great show on our way home in tucson we've got a show uh coming up here in los angeles so it's good to play uh play a hometown show
0: nice so i discovered you guys through a tour announcement that the jayhawks had put out uh, mentioning that you guys are going to be out on the road for them for a while. So I'm like, oh, I got to check these guys out. And I looked you up and hit play on your new album. And as soon as Learn to Fly started playing, I, I was sold. It makes a great first impression. So whomever did your album sequencing <laughs> needs to get some kudos because that is a great, great way to start an album.
1: The album is produced by my husband and other bandmate with my other band, the Mastersons, uh, Chris Masterson. Mm-hmm. Bonnie and I kind of took care of the sequencing on that. Nice.
2: I think we agreed on this song for the first also just because it's a good intro to Eleanor and I as a as a whole and kind of what we grew up with and, and our uh, both of us are licensed pilots. So it's uh, not a metaphor about getting high. <laughs> it's a literal <laughs> translation and kind of inspired by our dad and that kind of upbringing that we had. So it was a good introduction to us as the sisters as well.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, so often getting high in music means means something entirely different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really neat. Our neighbor, an old neighbor of ours, was a pilot, and he took my boys and I up in his plane. He had a little plane, a little four-seater, and flew us all around, flew us over our house and over the boys' school, and we just had a great time. So that's really cool that you guys that you guys fly. Let's talk about your musical history a little bit. So your parents were both or are both very musical what was that like growing up in your home and what kind of music were you guys hearing?
2: We like to say that as as a Whitmore, our requirement is to obviously fly a plane, as per mentioned. <sighs> and also we needed to play an instrument and sing in the family band that went by Daddy and the Divas.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Our
2: mother is a classically trained
1: opera singer, so she was often giving lessons or preparing a piece at home and singing opera and, um, and taking
2: us to operas and or symphonies at least and, and yeah. um,
1: then our our dad, you know, would have these weekend gigs and, and bars and we'd be accompanying him on the weekends if we weren't at a symphony concert. So a lot of the songs that he would perform, some of them were his own, but then he would do a lot of covers and it wasn't until later in life that we realized that, oh, that's a Bob Dylan song <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles, uh, the Beatles. Um, Something along those lines. You know, aside from the radio, a lot of the music that we would hear was uh, just through our parents.
0: And what a range of influences! Then to have opera on the one hand, and hear Bob Dylan covers and songs that your dad was writing on the other—that's qu- those are two really interesting bookends. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm surprised my uh, dad
2: got away with the Bob Dylan covers because my mom really doesn't care for Bob Dylan. Well, that's the thing (laughs) is like, we love Bob Dylan's writing more than his voice because we never really had it. And obviously my mom, well, not obviously, maybe to you, but our mom was very particular about voices like Led Zeppelin was not something she really enjoyed in the house because uh, <laughs> the pitchiness of Robert Plant.
1: And then it was kind of evident in the covers that she would pick with our band. Of course, she would always do like a Joan Baez tune or something that was more fitting to her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What was a Bette Midler. Bette Midler. Yes. That was another one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've only ever seen one opera in my entire life. I actually got to see, Don Giovanni in, in Prague uh, years ago. And I didn't understand anything that was going on, but it was interesting. But you felt
2: it, right? You knew what they were emotionally singing about.
0: (laughs) That's right. Well, yeah. And you could kind of get the gist of the story because everything is so dramatically dramatically portrayed in the true sense. Well, that's really cool. So I know influence can be really difficult to, to quantify, but does any of that early music still impact the type of music you guys are making either collectively as sisters or individually in your own separate careers?
1: Uh, Definitely. Um, I think the classical upbringing is definitely evident in my string arrangements that, that training and influence early on has, you know, I've always wanted to have cool string arrangements on our, our records, but I don't know. We do really have a a wide variety because aside from our parents' music, you know, we were growing up in the eighties and listening to Madonna and
2: lots of eighties pop music. So well, technically I was a little bit more nineties role for me, but like, it was always kind of eclectic. Like I got really into Bjork and not everybody was familiar with her and for me, you know, songs in particular. And, but definitely like, the, the classical upbringing also taught us uh, uh, the importance of dynamics, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and so that
2: I think has a lot of influence on our music as well. And discipline. hmm.
0: That's pretty incredible that you have such a strong musical influence in your home. I'm excited for people to hear your music who haven't because of how great it sounds. So let's pause for a minute. We're going to play the opening song, Learn to Fly, and then we'll chat about it when it's done. What can you tell us about that? You mentioned a little bit. It's it's literal. There's a literal aspect to this, but tell us about the writing of the song.
2: Well, I think what I was really wanting to try to recreate was the sensation of flying in a, um, in a melodic form. Um, so not just wanting to portray the the story, but um, melodically was very interested in having that sort of, feeling of lifting lift and loops and kind of that you know when you hit a pocket of pocket of air even in a jet you can kind of feel a plane move in a way that you don't wouldn't necessarily expect and mm-hmm.
1: um it can be or talking um i think flying is pretty exciting it's a lot of you kind of on your toes and your adrenaline is kind of pumping and so uh, wanted to kind of give the, the feel of that in the song. So it, it does kind of roll around and lift up and down uh, with the instrumentation and melody.
0: Yeah, I think even the vocal delivery, because the notes, are, there are some very long sustained notes, particularly through the chorus, that would simulate the, the change in elevation. And I, I, I could see where, where you're going with that. That's, that's pretty cool. It's a really, really good song, very accessible.
2: I just feel like there's, there's such a large musical impact of flying, especially when you fly in small planes and everything. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can summon that sound of like a travel airs engine. And that's something that just really gets like, it has a very sensitive spot in me every time when I hear something like that, like it just has a very, uh...
1: for the listener, a traveler. Um, we, uh, we grew up with a, open cockpit biplane that had a big radial engine. So wow. I
2: superimposed my guests for Thursday nights uh, in the continental club <laughs> weekly into it. If yeah, you're wanting a visual people of it, that
1: follow Bonnie um, will it's, know what that is, but, um, but it's
2: a cylinder like chonk, 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 chonk rhythmic thing that in the right. smell of it and all that kind of stuff just really goes into it. And it's, for me, it's very, you know, nostalgic.
0: How fun! What a great hobby. And I know that's not a, a cheap hobby. From talking to my friend, um, to me, there's something very special about the blending of sibling voices. I mean, obviously, we can look at um, Don and Phil Everly from the Everly Brothers, of course, who who really set a very high bar. And you look at the number of, of groups that they influenced; it's it's pretty amazing. And your voices have a blend that is just so special. And I particularly love when you when you are singing in unison and then split off to harmonize. It's just, it's so cool. To me, it's like the budding of a flower. It's just so beautiful. Did you guys grow up singing a lot together or was it always in the family context?
1: Mostly in the family context singing together. We would do, you know. Usually
2: like three-part harmony,
1: Three-part harmonies on like the Everly Brothers Dream or um, Tumbleweeds. Tumble and so we were always kind of, fussing around with harmonies and arrangements, um, growing up together, but not being
2: on each other's notes. (laughs) Um,
1: yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, Bonnie and I kind of wanted to branch off on our own and, pursue our own music apart from our dad and apart from each other. I don't think I realized what a special thing that is when siblings sing together, because now that we've come together to do this album and singing together, it's just, it's kind of like a superpower and also like a telepathy where it's just, there's not anyone that's, that's this is the easiest person on the planet to sing with because we both have a lot of the same subtleties in our phrasing and our and vibrato. And I don't think I fully appreciated that until we came together to make this record.
0: Well, and it is a special, special blend that I think non-siblings, of course, could harmonize beautifully together, but you're right. It would lack some of the nuances and superpowers to use your term, which I think is really kind of cool um, that siblings would have now, I know being on the road can can put a strain on a relationship. Is it tough to be on the road as siblings and together for
2: 24-7? Well, we have siblings and, and mm-hmm. marriage um, within the mix. So yeah, my can, uh...
1: husband, Chris, has been out with us. We've been
2: doing shows
1: uh, with the Mastersons and the Whitmore Sisters and then featuring Bonnie as well. And it's a lot of dynamics uh, between the husband and wife and the sisters. I yeah. think we've done a pretty good job of getting... Hey through the last couple we're still of here so yeah. i think we're doing just fine <laughs> that counts <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah it's definitely challenging there's not a lot of personal space on the road but yeah. we
2: also communicate well with each other and you know if there is something that's rough we try to smooth it out and talk it out with each other it's at least the the depth of the relationship isn't superficial and along other lines where you don't necessarily choose the people that you're playing with in a band
3: mm-hmm. you know right.
2: but you're in a in a vehicle together and have to get along regardless. <laughs> so,
0: it just reminds me of uh, when I was a kid, my mom and stepdad packed all five of us kids in a motorhome and drove from California to Florida And man, We, we had well, some was fights the ages
2: again. I bet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you guys go to go to blows, who, who should I put my money on?
2: Uh, oh, um, <laughs> if, if, if it's really to the death fight, I would definitely put my money on Eleanor. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Cold. Now, Alan, R,
0: you are married um, to Chris Masterson, as you, as you are, have already mentioned. You guys have been making great music as the Mastersons since the mid-2000s. About When did you guys start? Is it t- 2011 or 12, I think?
1: Yeah, our um, first record came out in uh, 2011. Um, okay. Okay. I think or yeah. no, 2012. I lied.
0: So, for those that aren't familiar with the Mastersons, tell us a little bit about the music that you and Chris have made.
1: Um, we're a you know a harmony-driven singer-songwriter duo, and um, you know I I think we get compared a lot to other bands like the Jayhawks because of the harmonies, and obviously I, I'm not offended by that comparison at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. You know, we're both uh, multi-instrumentalists and um, Mm -hmm. so it's, I don't know, melodic singer-songwriter.
0: Yeah, I encourage people to check you guys out. You guys have been making great music for quite a while and you've had some uh, great tours that you played on. In fact, I was as I was doing my research, I came across a a video of you guys playing with Bruce Springsteen. I was like, okay, that's pretty awesome. How, How did that come about?
1: Well, uh, both Chris and I are members of uh, Steve Earle's band, The Dukes, and uh, he does a benefit concert every year uh, for his son's school for autism. And Mm. he had Bruce as a guest uh, this past year, and Bruce agreed to have The Dukes back him up. And um, I got the song list like four days before the show and realized I was going to have to play piano on the promised land and glory days and darkness on the edge of town. Um, And um, (laughs) that's not my main instrument, but it was the, uh, my quarantine project. So (laughs) I uh, was able to get through it. Um, those songs are all in C. So, um, it was, it was okay, but I mean, it wasn't like on promised land, there's these octave parts and it, it wasn't the easiest gig, but I made it.
2: (laughs) I've never seen her smile so much in my life. (laughs) Yeah, it It was was really good.
1: It was actually pretty electrifying. I've performed with a lot of musicians as a side uh, musician and backed a lot of people up. And that is the most electricity that I've ever felt on stage. with Yeah, that is super
0: cool. Super cool. Now, Bonnie, your solo work rocks pretty hard in some places. I was just listening to your last album, Last Will and Testament. It's pretty different than the music you and Eleanor make. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it harder? Is it hard to write in somewhat of a different style or... You know, is your writing for yourself as opposed to being involved in the writing with, with your sister? Is the, is the difference in the writing or is it more in the production?
2: I think any song is really about the writing of the song first before it's like what you add to it to make it either rock or pop or country or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that sort of foundation, but I always like. I mean, because even a lot of those songs, you know, I don't necessarily get to play them with a band and use my eight string bass on it. So it can sound very folky, (laughs) you know, just with me and the acoustic. I definitely my last two records uh, under my own name were, you know, either it was produced basically by me and Scott Davis. Uh, We did produce the last one. The last one I kind of gave credit to everybody, but we were the essential um, creators for a lot of the yeah. tapestry that went into fuck the sad girls but yeah i just i i love playing loud rock music and doing that too and i, I like to write in every genre and be able to perform in everything because that's that's my prerogative as a, an artist you know i don't really yeah. want to be a uh, pigeonholed into one particular thing
0: for the writing for ghost stories Did you guys uh, write those songs together? Did you work apart and bring them to each other? What was the writing process like for for Ghost Stories?
2: A lot of them we wrote together. Some of it we had a few things maybe kind of bringing to the table. We really have to thank Chris for, you know, sort of lighting a fire under us to get it done.
1: I don't know that this record would have happened um, without the time gifted to us to do it, which unfortunately was the pandemic, but it did. It's something that we talked about for a really long time. But we've started writing a little bit, but we hadn't really you know, we didn't have a whole album's worth and You know, he basically was like, Well, if Bonnie's gonna come out and visit, you guys should make the record and so Bonnie had a couple of tunes um, that were already written like Hurt and Fur Let Down and The Ballad of Sissy and Porter. She'd written with Bonnie Montgomery. And then we finished out some other ideas that she had and a couple ideas that I had and wrote over Zoom before she came out. And then um, when she came out to L.A., then we started recording and finished the writing for the rest of the song. So,
0: so let's pause here. Let's play the title track. and uh, The song Ghost Stories. This is a stunning song it really is beautiful the melody is is so pretty i love the lyrics and the blend of your voices to my ear in this song is i don't use the word sublime it sounds weird coming out of my lips for some reason but that's really a an apt word it's it's i love the blend i i would put this song on repeat with my headphones on kind of like i would for the everly brothers are simon and garfunkel when you're hearing those great harmonies and the jayhawks um, as well and the violin i love the violin that's just to me as the icing on the cake let's listen to the song and then we'll chat about it on the back side if we had met
3: i would have loved you we could have made story but you disappeared like a shadow into
0: What a gem of a song what what's the backstory to this one
2: well it's funny that you we were kind of talking about the songwriting beforehand this one was one that we had actually written and then rewrote and it became oh. the title track
1: the melody uh on the violin was originally inspired by the death of elijah mclean who was um, a young uh, black man who was walking home from the store in aurora colorado and Wasn't breaking the law, but somebody thought he looked weird and they called the cops and they thought that he was on drugs and they gave him ketamine and he died at the hands of police. And um, there's actual
2: audio of it, which is also just absolutely heartbreaking. And the um, whole interaction.
1: It's just it's another really sad story. And um, so the song we kind of originally wrote about him, but then it just it was too painful and.
2: I think after the it death didn't also of, feel like it was our story to tell.
1: Yeah. You know? And after the death oh, okay. of George Floyd and many others, we just decided to pull the lens back and to talk about a larger issue of wanting to root out things in our society that are unkind and that don't work for everyone.
0: The album has been, at least from everything I've read, has been universally praised. It's charted really well on the America, Americana music charts. In fact, I think I looked last night. Is at 14 or something like that? It's still doing really well. Are you guys yeah. happy with the reception of, of your album so far?
2: Oh, it's been amazing. The reception has been incredible. And it's one of those things that I've, I was actually having a conversation with a buddy of mine, Dan Stewart, um, from Green on Red the other day. And we were talking about how like, um, critics don't really say mean things by any means by uh, about music really anymore. It's like either they write a nice review or they don't write anything at all. What has been kind of interesting and the reason why I feel, you know, superpower is the right way to describe what we're doing in a way. Cause I feel like it's almost like a a surprise enjoyment of it. Like people are overwhelmed by the, the quality, I guess. Well, I
1: think people are surprised because it's our debut album and it doesn't sound like um, our first rodeo because we've, we've both (laughs) been making our own albums of our own material for a long time and have a lot of experience. So I think maybe that's why people are responding so well to it.
0: Right. Well, you're both so seasoned. I mean, very, very experienced. Do you think, is it your separate work that maybe kept you from coming together earlier? Because obviously, you know, we've talked about your careers, you were both very active, very busy, both creating lots of music, touring and these things. Is that really what it was that kept you guys from being in the studio together?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're just, we're both really busy, but I think in addition, you know, I, I think we both wanted to kind of prove ourselves as songwriters.
2: Um, we wanted to be individuals, you know, I think yeah. that the idea of us coming together has always been some, this is what I would say. It's like a lot of people who hadn't, Maybe known about our personal history, they were kind of like, "Why haven't you done this sooner?" <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, which is is a great thing, but I think that we both needed to sort of push our own boundaries before we really had enough to offer into a project. And I, I mean, I the, think people
1: that followed us growing up probably expected us to to make a record. They've been together. waiting for and it. And we, we yeah. grew up in Texas <laughs> yeah. watching the. The, Dixie, um, the chicks, the chicks, yeah. Um, right. You know, Marty and Emily. Uh, before Natalie even came along, you know, we grew up watching two of the most commercially successful sisters make music. So I think there was a lot of there's kind of expectation expectation there, it. and I think it was yeah. important for us to kind of pursue our own uh, visions apart from each other first.
2: Well, it's also nice to be in- individually thought of instead of like the next, you know, the chicks or whatever. You know, it just. Right. it allowed us the time to be able to create what we really wanted. And I think I'm really proud of the songs and the arrangement and everything. And I think that we both needed to get to a point where we had that ability to see each other too.
0: Yeah. Well, I, the great thing in this is you guys could go back to your separate careers and your sister will always be there. And so you can always two years, three years, five years down the road or whatever can come back and make a follow-up. I mean, you have that freedom now. Right. Well, I mean, you always have, but knowing that you've got an audience already. So that's got to be kind of reassuring. It is. Mm-hmm. So for everyone listening, we've only played two cuts from Ghost Stories, but it, it really doesn't even come close to telling the story of this album. So I am strongly encouraging everybody to go out, buy the album, stream the album. There is so much great music on this album that we just couldn't play at all. So let's talk about how people can best support you guys. Obviously you're on the road now, so people can go to your website and get tour information. How else can people support you guys?
1: Well, you know, definitely by coming out to shows, I think that um, what we've seen out there traveling coast to coast playing is that the audience is not fully returned after COVID. And, you know, a lot of these clubs and musicians need, need the support. Um, I think people's habits have changed. Maybe they're staying at home uh, watching Netflix, but if uh, if people want live music to continue, they need to support it. And yeah, Netflix
2: is up their charges, so I mean...
1: <laughs> yeah, come out and see a live show <laughs> instead of watching TV. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, you can find us at the Whitmore sisters.com and we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, Facebook.
0: and all
2: that stuff. I haven't social quite medias. figured out TikTok yet
0: yeah that's a whole nother uh, monster I'm, I'm we need some young people out.
2: to to hip us to it because we look at <laughs> yeah. it and kind of go I'm too old for this <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know what you mean and i've I've referred to this in another podcast, but there was a, a study that came out a couple of years ago that said people who go to see live music live longer. so hmm. not only could people get out and support you guys and keep you, fueled and on the road and doing what you want to do but they could actually benefit themselves by living longer so absolutely well
2: i do think that like the pandemic allowed us an opportunity to to see how healing music can really be
0: well it's important and like you said it's it's how to keep live music happening is by going out and supporting it um, when it's in our town and i'll put all of the links to your website and everything Um, in the description of the show. So people can just click on that. So as we near the end of our time, I want to play a little game that I call sibling rivalry. I just made that up last night. So here's how it works. I'm going to ask you guys some questions and you will answer by saying the name of the person, one of you, who you think best fits. So in as quickly as you can, you can't overthink it. So an example might be, um, who has the most tattoos and you would answer.
2: Neither, neither actually. Okay,
0: good. So there, so hopefully we won't have any. Chris, the,
2: the unsung Whitmore (laughs) has the most
0: tattoos. (laughs) All right. You guys ready, ready to give it a go? Yes. Okay. So which of the Whitmore sisters was the teacher's pet in school? Eleanor. Eleanor, you agree? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. So in your youth, who was the bigger heartbreaker?
2: Mm, I think I was. Yeah. Okay. Well, Well, I mean, I was, I was very cute as a baby. Yeah. We'll go with Bonnie. Yeah. (laughs) I just, there's the longevity of it. There were some awkward years, but there was,
0: (laughs) we all have some, some of us never grow out of those. So
2: (laughs) I I go in and out of them all the time. <laughs> I think we all do.
0: We just fail to recognize it. Uh if the zombie apocalypse started today, which which of you would survive the longest?
2: Probably Eleanor. Me? Okay, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not true. Like, you could laser beam them if you needed with, to. Okay, with my cold dead heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Her words, not mine.
0: <laughs> when you guys were under one roof who was most likely to borrow something and not return it
1: Bonnie, really
0: <laughs> okay do you guys need to talk a minute i'll, t-
2: I'll take she, that i think she was gonna I'll say take me that. yeah well <laughs> all
0: right last one and this is this is a tough one who was mom and dad's favorite
1: Eleanor, you think mom and
2: dad, (laughs) you were mom
1: and dad's favorite? I don't know.
2: I guess I was like, I was the good one, I guess.
0: (laughs) The golden child.
2: She was the golden. She was made to be the perfect child for sure.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: I had a near death experience as a young one. So I kind of got out of a lot of things, I think. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's a free get out of jail card for a lot of things right there
2: for yeah, sure it's like oh um, but she survived so i at least have that for myself
0: <laughs> not everybody could say that well bonnie and eleanor it's it's been a real delight chatting with you both today and for everybody listening your assignment is to go pick up or stream old Post stories album you're in for a treat thank you both for joining me today
1: Thanks, Brian, for having us. Uh, let me let us know when it
0: posts so we can share. I certainly will do that. And thank you all for listening. If, if you've enjoyed this chat, share it on social media with your friends so they can hear it too, or leave a kind review. And we'll see you on our next journey to the stage. That's a wrap.